Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers, we want this podcast to inspire you to grow food or help you on your already existing food empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And it's my pleasure this week to introduce not one, not two, but three guests, Tiff, Sammy and Beth, all from Earthlight Herbs. How's your week? been everyone yeah pretty good yes good very busy that's the busiest is the name of the game at the moment i was just saying to jack before this call i'm just looking forward to autumn and winter just so we can have a little bit of like our bodies getting yeah a bit refreshed and feel a bit better ride in the summer wave all the way to winter (laughs) (laughs) yeah and before you know it's back again though isn't it yeah and the social media never stops (laughs) That's true. That's true. As you well know, doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So for our listeners, um, can you tell us a little bit about Earthlight Herbs, which is where you're all from and and what you do? So Earthlight Herbs, uh, we're actually a workers cooperative as well. And we are based in Somerset. The the nearest village is called Axbridge, but we're sort of 25 minutes north of Glastonbury, just like on the edge of the level. So it's really lovely, a lovely part of the world. Um, we started Earthlight Herbs in during lockdown. So we got some funding from the Real Farming Trust. They have a, uh, a loan programme called Loans for Enlightened Agriculture Project, which is wicked. And we applied for that last year. And in December, we got a nice big loan and a grant from them, which was great. And then we attempted to start work in January but (laughs) due to the pandemic and a bunch of other non-pandemic related startup delays uh, we kind of got going in March properly really so this is our first growing season and we have created a herb farm from scratch on a site which has been um, uh, given to us really um, as part of the YMCA Dulverton Group's uh, incubator farm project so we've actually got the patch of land we're on for uh, free for the first few years um, and then and then we're going to wow. lease it um, I think it's six years isn't it Tiff in total yeah um, yeah so I mean it's just amazing how it all kind of fell into place from an idea um, and well an idea that Tiff's had for a long time uh, we've known each other for a, a long time and then yeah just came to fruition really in the last sort of not not quite 18 months yeah that's amazing such a nice thing to hear and you're right on a uh a ley line down in glastonbury yeah. so you're getting all that good energy to the plants yeah and... baby <laughs> yeah that's it that's it uh, hopefully we dive into the to, to that sort of um esoteric conversation during the uh during this podcast but we, what we like to do with the podcast is go back and because there's three of you we're going to individually ask you about the background and and what got you into this growing because before the podcast we we just found out like you was living in the city and as we said we've escaped <laughs> tried to escape um so we'll start with you tiff what was your like um what was your journey getting into growing well i was actually a primary school teacher um before I became a grower and I was the science coordinator at my school and we had a little school garden um, that was in disrepair and no one had even looked at it for years and I 
I'd always wanted to grow stuff, but never even had a real garden in London, never grown anything in my life. And uh, I put my hand up in the staff room when they offered it out. <laughs> and um, yeah, it got growing with the kids like that. And it was over the course of a couple of years of, of getting more and more into the growing with the children, just sort of realising that that was the most important thing I could be teaching them um, was where their food came from, getting their hands in the soil and just really noticing the profound effect it had on these children's um, behaviour, really. It was like all the naughty kids suddenly weren't so naughty anymore when we were outside in the garden. Um, and so I made a decision to retrain. I left primary school teaching in 2016 and then I went to Schumacher College and did the six-month uh, residential um, sustainable horticulture course there which was amazing changed my life um, and we were growing fruit and veg for the college on about five acres there and then I moved back to London and I ended up um, working freelance in various schools around uh, the city setting up school gardens um, doing environmental education oh, wow. projects and then became the uh, horticulture trainer at Stepney City Farm so that was my sort of previous life and then yeah last year as a result of the pandemic I lost all my freelance work and that was the push I needed to make the leap of faith and move to Somerset and here we are. Oh, amazing that's really cool it, it, I think kids your, your senses are heightened when you're outdoors and you're using your hands you're, you're smelling things you're, you're trying things as well for me there was definitely the best days at school um, whenever it was off out, out of school and they took us to the woods or or whether it was growing something or just generally getting muddy and no one caring yeah mm -hmm. not telling you to wash your hands which was good <laughs> yeah and they ate the food they grew as well that was the most amazing, even yeah, better, like the most bitter broad beans in the world i was like they're never gonna like that they're like oh my god it's amazing they grew them you know they were their broad beans they were gonna eat every last one of them even if it killed them <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant how about you sammy what was your uh entrance into growing well i'm still i'm i feel like a little bit of a fraud i'm still uh, a fledgling grower really so my role within earthlight is the communications and engagement side so by a very roundabout way um by way of i was in the raf to start with <laughs> and then um yeah i was in the raf for about five years and i left and did various different sort of things to do with physical and like body healing modalities and I was a personal trainer for a while and but I've always been interested in like health and wellness and um, I guess I kind of came at this from like a, a healthy eating point of view and then um, more recently I'm actually still working in academia at the moment I, uh, I work for an academic um, research project uh, called the history of parliament um, so I'm a historian by by day at the moment. Um, yeah, and but but Tiff and I have known each other for about I think like twelve years now, and we've always been having these conversations. And like you said earlier, the more esoteric conversations around like wellness and you know mental health and you know all those things. And I just knew that when Tiff had this idea that I wanted to be involved in some way, and my skill set. It's quite different um, to Tiff and, and Beth. And, you know, I thought I could bring that sort of more comsy um, side of it to the table, which is what I do in, in my uh, my job in the research project now. So um, I'm kind of like been learning as, as we've been going in terms of herbalism and growing and making, which has been fantastic. So 
yeah and I'm you know just just to add another thing in there to be more confusing I'm like <laughs> I'm planning as well to sort of like leave you know leave the, the academia and and come to Somerset next year and I'm interested in doing sort of like health coaching and stuff alongside of, of what we're doing um, as well yeah so I think it's it's been great to have this opportunity um, you know to work with the land for the first time and yeah to learn really. That's awesome I think every episode we've done somehow the guest has mentioned or tied back to the fact that our food is our medicine and that if we look after the soil the soil will look after our food our food and then the food will look after us and it, it's a circle that just keeps going and i think the more people that get involved in this space and understand that that the better we're going to be and so there is a huge link between our health and and how we grow our food isn't yeah, there yeah totally definitely definitely more people are connecting they're putting the dots together with it and you coming from like a healthy eating perspective uh, I've got friends who have owned like a, uh, a PT farm and they come to the farm and they couldn't, they couldn't name half the stuff I was growing. And they were like, oh, I'm embarrassed because I tell people to eat healthy all the time. But he was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a, what a radish looked like with its leaves on. And it's definitely changed his mindset altogether. And he's going down like yeah. uh, building a garden yeah. now as well. And yes, yeah, people just making that connection now, isn't it? Totally, yeah. So last but not least, Beth, uh, we want to, what was it for you getting into growing? So I started off from an arts background. Um, yeah, I went to art school. And then quite quickly after art school, I started being more interested in creating sort of like social spaces. Um, and I made yeah various attempts to make these event spaces with a focus on health and mental health and like general well-being living in London it's kind of like a it's rough out there um and I was introduced to herbal medicine in a sort of like activist space um and I met some people who were herbalists who were doing amazing work around like health justice and all, all other kinds of amazing work and I basically fell in love with herbalism because of those people that I met and it made me realize that herbalism isn't this sort of like expensive thing for middle class people but it's actually really radical and like it's always been radical um and then alongside this i started experimenting with growing um like as much as you can when you're renting in london and living in sort of temporary housing and so sort of like marrying the two together i got interested in sort of like therapeutic horticulture and growing the herbs and applied to do this um permaculture course in the city farm in london where I met Tiff, who was actually leading that permaculture course. Um, and we were learning about growing veg, um, but I just kept bringing it back to the herbs. And I just felt like all I wanted to do was grow the herbs um, and organize herb workshops, which we were sort of like schemed together. And like Tiff, as it happened, very magically, was also very interested in herbalism. Um, and I feel like together we sort of were able to have all these conversations about what we would do if we could you know, change that farm and like turn it into like a, a paradise for herbal medicine, basically. Um, yeah, so yeah, we were doing that and then the pandemic hit and everything stopped. Yeah, and then sort of like Tiff contacted me a few months later being like, I've got a proposal. 
um, yeah, it was like kind of really kicked off quickly since then. <laughs> it's been a bit of a whirlwind for you, girls. So it's you set you set up it in the yeah. last year as well, haven't you? And it's probably not like just coming from we've done podcasts where we've moaned about this year massively because of the <laughs> weather uh, and whatever. So. I feel you <laughs> because this has been such a tough growing season, but also to start a farm, there's a lot going into that infrastructure. Like, how, how have you, um, how, how have you found it? It's been a lesson in trust, faith, and surrender. Basically, that, that's the bottom line. I mean, there's been so many moments where we feel like we couldn't do it. It felt too big. Uh, the lack of labour, um, the the weather delays with suppliers you know so many factors um but every time what seemed like a delay or a stop or a pause actually it was like divine timing at play and i know when we look back and we tell this story again in three years time you know the the, the arc of the storyline is so beautiful <laughs> you can't really make it up even though in those moments it feels um overwhelming at times quite a lot of the time actually so yeah, yeah we just keep coming back and breathing and trusting in the vision for the greater good and um so far touch wood it's 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 working out <laughs> i did i've been writing our first year here into chapters into a book um more just as a diary for us but people have found it well funny to read i guess and now i'm laughing at it 20 months on from i'm like i'm probably five months in i've written or released and so yeah i'm what, 16, 17 months on from that, I'm laughing at it now, knowing that at the time, the thing I'm writing about, I was in tears doing, or I was certainly stressed. Or, and then, so, yeah, it doesn't take long before you can laugh at it, but it does definitely does bind into a, a wonderful story. It's like a weekly roller coaster. I find, as my boyfriend was saying this yesterday, it was just like, every time you come up a meeting, we're all like elated and like, yeah, this is amazing. And then something else happens and it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, every week. Bipolar yeah. business. <laughs> Anything good, I don't think should be easy. It, it comes out of hard, hardship and um, yeah, our, we're, we're all learning. It's like real big change for all of us coming from different backgrounds. But um, yeah, I, I've this has been the first year I think I've felt what anxiety really feels like just the the building stress and bit pressure but it's those steps in between like being in a garden and just being still i mean like watching a bee i'm like oh that's pretty cool like i wouldn't be doing that in yeah. my last job um so yeah that's it jack it's basically as soon as i get out into the field and i get my feet on the ground and i notice those small interactions with the insects or the the flowers just come out or just the, the peace of being out on the levels with all the different bird life i mean none of it matters then does it yeah. just back to nature and it's like it's gonna yeah. be okay i was having a terrible day i was stood in a trench that was being dug for some water pipe and i had twisted my ankle falling in and out of the trench a few times i was just having a bad day and you just know when it's all building up on top of you but i was stood in a trench near the pond and i was looking at a pond that we had dug last year hoping the clay would hold the water without putting a horrible plastic liner in it and the water was draining away and i was standing there kind of crushed and just looking at this pond and thinking oh what a waste of time that was and then out of nowhere and i've never seen one before in my life a kingfisher flew down landed like 
on the side in the shallows of the pond, sort of hopped around. I mean, it obviously waited until I just about got a blurry photo and then buggered off. But then, and I was just like the whole, my whole body changed, my whole like look on the day. And it was just, everything changed. And I, I text you, didn't I, Jack? I was like, oh my God, I've just seen a kingfisher. And it, yeah, so it's amazing that those tiny little fleeting glimpses of nature can just completely change how you are. Spirit animal, Chris. I'd never maybe. seen one before. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'd never seen one before, but um, I hope I do again. So the, the space that you're on now, how much space are you growing on? We've got an acre. An acre. Much exactly, yeah. Perfect. And what, what was the soil like when you, you took it over? What was there before? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it is, uh, was a bare pasture land it's not been farmed for at least 25 years which also mm-hmm. is good news it's not had any chemicals on it in that time mm. either um not being plowed in that time but it's the thickest heaviest stickiest clay <laughs> <laughs> you could ever imagine we could pretty much build our house with it i think it's really heavy so not too dissimilar to this field here no. i certainly feel your pain share some tips about heavy clay then so what have you done to to get growing on it um, we've used quite a lot of Mipex. Mm-hmm. Not ashamed to say it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we've put down my, Mipex initially, and we're planting straight through that um, with the, a lot of the perennials. We're sort of doing a little backfill with a, a sandy mix to get, kind of try and get some structure in there. Yeah, um, and then other plants um, that do sort of okay in the clay, they're just going straight into it through the Mipex. And then we've also done some no dig beds with cow manure um the child starting methods yeah so we're experimenting with a few different bits and we've also got some tarp down at the back of the field that we're leaving on for the year and then next year we'll um do a no dig system on that but just to kill the cooch off in the first instance is the aim of the game (laughs) (laughs) although interestingly cooch is medicinal so Ah. we kind of joke that we've got a cooch farm already (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing some of those things, isn't it? Chamomile pops up everywhere on our farm and quite often it's frustrating, but at the other times I, I can use it to sleep pretty well and we have put it in our veg boxes. So, um, yeah, yeah, nature I'm, gives. It does make me laugh quite a lot of the time. Like a traditional farmer would look at our field and go, why are they growing weeds? Yeah. <laughs> no, intentionally growing milk thistle and uh, plantain for example it's, it's quite funny <laughs> I, I always joke as well that there's a lot more stuff growing around the farm or weeds on the farm that are way healthier than the veg I'm growing mm. um, which is uh, definitely true like there's loads of nettles there's there is thistle there's all, all sorts of bits and bobs and they're also signs to show are like representing the soil aren't they they're trying to break the ground like with the big tap roots like dock and stuff um so like we we tapped on herbalism is that why you cho- chose to do a herb farm is that that been your goal since day one like we get this is going to be a herb farm yeah the aim of the game was to grow medicinal herbs to some sort of scale that we could produce medicine with it um but we also have a plant nursery as a a revenue stream so we've been growing a bit of annual veg as well with the idea that we're empowering people to grow their own food and medicine at home and sort of generate their own health sovereignty with within the sort of the means that they have at home um so through education through the plant nursery 
and through the, the potions and lotions that Beth is currently brewing in the apothecary. That's amazing. I was just speaking to Michael from our, our last episode, um, just popped over actually, which was I was running late. Um, but he he mentioned the fact that, yeah, with the farm and our CSA model here, we're touching the local area. But by the education piece through like this podcast and what you were just saying there, you're affecting lots of local areas and, and potentially, yeah, globally. So it's amazing when you can, yeah, take that outreach and know that you're doing good so close but then so far as well it just it's endless then isn't it yeah and I think for us like education was like a big reason behind starting this like we wanted to you know provide um these plants and products for people but we we, yeah like we want to empower our community to um yeah just sort of like take control of their own health and well-being in general and realize that like you're saying there are so there's so much medicine around us all the time and we just don't have the knowledge and sort of like it feels a bit like our power is taken away from us therefore and and we don't have we we aren't able to take responsibility over our own health and well-being because you know we've always outsourced our healthcare, and I'm not saying that like you know western medicine is fantastic so many things but there are so many ways that we can bolster our immunity and take care of our general well-being from day to day with the things that you know grow out of the cracks in the pavement and for us that's like a huge driving force behind what we're doing i always think it's nature showing it's way like what you said about cracks in the pavement it's like eat me yeah. like it's trying to show it is it's pre- it's almost presenting itself and after this terrible uh, year of annuals um i actually done a really deep deep breath work back in winter and I had a really clear message and it said to grow herbs. And I, I'm, I thought it was really quite, quite, it was like one of the deepest breathworks I've done. And it was like a really clear message. Um, I don't want to lose people who are listening to this as well, because this is me going um, uh, a bit hippie. We love, I love it too. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write that with you, Jack. Yeah, good. I'm in good company. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really clear. And then I've got, have had constant messages throughout the year of like really presenting themselves to grow more herbs, uh, whether it's finding cheap ones at like a garden center or, or whatever. Um, and they're the what pockets in the garden for me that everything's kind of gone to pot this year, but they're the ones in the corner going like, boom, look at me. They've had like second wins as well. When I've cut like the lovage back, it's come back even better. Um, and yeah, my herbs at the minute are the ones that are in the garden i'm saying to chefs yeah i've got this 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 and they're taking all of it um and one yesterday which i found i forgot i planted it amongst the nettles was pineapple sage and that the smell of it is just it's insane pineapples but it's just great but yeah i'm that's why i'm very excited to talk to you girls today because it's um something i've really been wanting to do more of and you see that it's almost like nature's now telling us more and more eat eat this eat that because it's presenting itself a little bit more well it's always interesting like learning about the role of a slug in the ecosystem how they eat anything that's weak so like their natural place in the ecosystem is to remove weak plants so that the sort of stronger plants can thrive and I just found that fascinating when I found that out and to think about the plants that they go for, which is our lovely juicy annuals. <laughs> it, 
inherently weak plants. Mm, yeah. But they'll leave the really sort of strong, bitter herb alone, which is, like you say, Jack, is what we need, right? As a society, we're profoundly sick on so many different levels. Mm. And really, the, the strongest, most bitterest, sort of unpalatable flavours is actually kind of what our body needs because it's usually to do with the digestive system. If it's a really bitter plant, that's an indication it's going to act well on the digestive system. And um, our most popular plant pack, interestingly, was the gut health pack. That was the one that sold the most. And again, I found that fascinating that it's sort of across the board, most people have an issue of some kind with their gut. And these herbs can really, really begin to help um, sort of restructure and regenerate the health of the gut and also the health of the soil because yeah they've got their sort of perennial roots there and they're they're staying for the long term <laughs> that's something we've we've attacked big time this year as perennials but uh, people have well i've been accused of being <laughs> sort of people said oh you're just this is a conspiracy theory what you're saying but it there's there's sort of we have our economy to blame for a lot of these things i mean if you think about the fact if the whole country was eating things that crack out of the pavement or are easy to grow then no one will be able to sell them and therefore we, the government will be able to tax them so it sort of plays into the fact that supermarkets sell these annual things that are fairly difficult to grow um because yeah, it means that not everyone will give it a go or find it easy to grow them. And, and as such, we end up in the situation we're in now, which is kind of sad in a way. Well, it's really sad in a way. And, and hopefully things like the veg box, the veg box model that we're doing now. Yeah, we have a lot of customers who want their staples, but they're more excited to receive something weird or wonderful or different um, in there. And especially the world of perennial veg or um, herbs is, is something that people just don't don't explore, especially if they've just come across from maybe a, a more conventional veg box scheme or from shopping at the supermarket. So we're at the cusp of it, I hope. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier that you have started a CSA model for herbs. Yeah, so we're, we believe <laughs> we're the only um, current medicinal herbal CSA in the country. So, um, awesome. yeah, that it seems to be that the herbal model is a bit more, um, a bit further ahead in the States. Um, mm -hmm. And we know that there has been one... Um, person, I can't remember her name, Tiff. Alice Bettany from Sacred Seeds. Who tried to set it up in, in the UK, but for whatever reason, that, that didn't work for her. Or she stopped doing it. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Because, you know, at the moment, yeah, like we were saying before this, we're at the point where we're about to send out our first box, um, which is going to be full of lots of lovely herbal products that Beth has been beavering away making. So yeah, I don't know if you want to say a bit more about that, Beth. Yeah, so it's all either stuff that we've grown from our herb farm or we've sustainably sourced by foraging in the local area. Um, and yeah, we're really interested in bioregional herbalism. So that's kind of placing a focus on local herbs, getting to know your local area and understanding, being able to ID the plants in your sort of like geographical um, environment and because that's sort of like the most sort of sustainable model that we can use to have this sort of new health care system of just going outside and seeing what nature has around us basically. Um, and for this first box, we've got four 
lovely tinctures, um, which we've been focusing on sort of like nervines um, this time. We've got chamomile, California poppy, um, calendula, and nettle seed. Um, and then we've also um, added some homemade candles um, from local um, local bees and a mud stick as well. Yeah, so we send out, out all of these things in a box and we also have a monthly meeting with our CSA community. Um, and the idea is that we can talk them through all of the products that we send to them um, and help them sort of learn how to intuitively understand what that what that um, tincture or herb is doing to their body. Um, well, that's the sort of way that we're negotiating it at the moment. Um, and it will unfold how it really kind of works now. I love that. Absolutely love that. Well, that's what CSA, the first word in it is community. So you're really taking that to heart and involving people more than just a delivery to them. And we had Tim from the CSA network on here. He'd, he'd love that. He'll, you'll be there like the poster for herb subscriptions um, within the CSA model now. Um, we'll have to let him yeah, know. Yeah, Tim, if you're listening, get in touch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Beth, we can see you're sitting in the apothecary. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, I've had to create this apothecary from scratch, which has been a really exciting thing to do. We're focusing on um, tinctures, oils, balms, um, elixirs, tonics, um, all things sort of herbal medicine, really. I'm doing a herbal medicine course. I'm trained to be a medical herbalist at the moment, which is I'm about to go into my third year. Um, and in the first two years, I've been doing a pharmacy module in which I've been sort of like going through and learning all of the all of the basics. And then the rest of the time, I've just sort of been self-taught. It's it's one of those amazing things where it's sort of simultaneously so very simple, but also sort of like so complex. And there's so many things that you could learn. It's like my teacher said that it's kind of like being a, a good cook like everyone can cook but not everyone makes like totally delicious food so it's it's a journey of making like super potent medicines yeah, you're at the start yeah. of a journey and it's going to be an awesome journey what, what i love about everyone as well getting into this space is we've come from one job to another so we've just kind of like flipped our lives around and then we're all we're all young so we're, when we're like older we'll all be plant wizards hopefully and and, yeah. wizards and, <laughs> and um yeah really i, I think it, there's now a huge movement so there's there's more what we're trying to do with the podcast is get more of us together to talk about it so we can resonate with more people and then hopefully like this podcast will inspire more herbalists or uh, people wanting to grow more herbs so yeah that's the idea so yeah I, i'm rooting for you guys as well now so it's, it's awesome to see you at the start of your journey it's a, it's a really funny thing i mean i've spent so much time doing a lot of sort of mean like repetitive tasks here so pruning or weeding or whatever and so i've massively got into audiobooks this year um i was massively into podcasts before and for some reason it just led me down listening to all of the harry potter books again um so it shows how many uh, hours i've spent doing those things i've just finished them but something clicked when i was listening to the last one recently in that at their school and it's just saying you saying wizards and witches at plant wizards there jack at their school their lessons are herbology 
potions, like all these, they just, they seem to have it right in this mythical world of Harry Potter. Um, maybe we're doing it completely wrong. Yeah, on, I think like on Instagram, there seems to be like a growing movement of kitchen witches, <laughs> like the little hashtags, if you search them, <laughs> are pretty good. Yes, I think as well, like you said earlier, this is, this movement feels like it's really um, gaining some traction now. And yeah, things like this podcast are just great, aren't they? Because we're, we, there's such a dearth of this kind of thing in, in the UK. And it was so good, you know, when I saw that you guys are doing this, I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what we need. Thank you. <laughs> so it's really cool that we get to be yeah on here talking to you guys. Really, it's just about a remembrance, isn't it? Because we're reclaiming our lost heritage, yeah. our ancestral heritage from these lands that got completely wiped out. And especially as herbalists, you know, we would literally have been burnt at the stake <laughs> and labelled a witch, but in a negative way. And so you saying wizards and witches, it's about reclaiming that language for ourselves and owning it and um yeah, just sort of being out and proud and not afraid of being burnt because there is that kind of witch wound that many women still really hold and it, it, it can feel really scary to sort of talk about it out loud and you sort of wonder why and then I think it's just this kind of ancestral trauma that we hold in ourselves that at one point it, it was um, a negative thing and even today, you know, we're finding it tricky because um, legally we're not actually allowed to say very much about what the herbs do or how, you know, we can talk about them in a scientific perspective, like the actions that they have in the body. But for a lay person and the community that we're trying to build, that can be quite difficult to access. So we're struggling to sort of work out how we can explain what it does in the body and how it can benefit certain conditions without actually saying it. Because you're, unless you're a fully trained medical herbalist, which Beth will be in three years time, um, you're not allowed to prescribe anything for specific conditions and in all honesty, I think that's kind of like a throwback from those burning times when really it was the, the chemists came into the game and they didn't like the fact that it was medicine for the people, that it grew by the side of the road and anyone can harvest it and therefore heal themselves. And they wanted to monetize it. Um, and so that was why the burning came about. And, you know, it's kind of continues on really with the, the pharmaceutical industry's sort of stranglehold on the healthcare inverted commas healthcare um today so yeah it is radical like beth said you know we're reclaiming those lost skills those ancestral heritage and reclaiming our health for ourselves, so that we don't need anyone external to dictate to us how we live our lives or what we put in our bodies yeah i can i can only imagine how difficult that must be from that point of view i mean we struggled with the local area here just just by moving on and wanting to build farms that grew food we were labeled hippies oh they must be travelers the local pubs landlords were told would be washing in the sinks like it was just that that small village rumor mill that started and then yeah so and that's just that's just with growing food so i can only imagine what you might come up against but you do have a following that's that's coming out in support of you you said you've recently done uh, an on-site event and over 100 people turned up yeah it was so good it was like it was so good because we um we are we are close to glastonbury you know mm. so that um the kind of hippie vibe uh you know sort of permeates out from there doesn't it so we we did meet so many cool people that were 
doing various growing projects in Glastonbury and there was yeah local people who were already interested in herbalism and so we're quite lucky in that the area is probably a bit more receptive of us being there perhaps than you've experienced right? <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean that was just great because you know having come from you know nothing in in March to then having 100 and yeah, I think it was like over 100 people turn up and you know buy our plants and we had volunteers um you know come and help us for the day and like our families came down and tiff and i put our dads to work (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mainly like strimming and you know they loved it loved it a little car park management they had a little empire of their own (laughs) um yeah but it was it was it was wicked and it was really encouraging even though it was a, a lot of work to put on something of that kind of size and it was like the, it was in that week where it was like the only hot week we had in the summer where it was like 30 degrees. We were stood out there with our little umbrellas in a, in a baking field. Um, yeah, but that, that was a real boost after yeah, the trials and tribulations of the, the season thus far to, to have that response um, and to know that our community was out there, even though, you know, we were still sort of trying to find them. So yeah, it was a, it was really great. And now we've, um, We've got some events planned for the rest of the year as well, um, in yeah, October, November uh, and December, some uh, yeah, volunteer days, but also some workshops and what have you, which, little plug, they're all going to be up on our new website. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can find all of our events um, on, the, on the website. Some of them are going to be online. Um, some of them are going to be obviously locally uh, to the farm. Oh, amazing. Yeah, you you sell your herbs um, like via the CSA, but is it mainly collection, or can you send them out in the post as well? Is it are you going going down that route? It's postal, or you can collect as well. Depends where you live. Yeah, we've been sending out our plant packs of um, herb plugs throughout the summer via post, um, and yeah, we're really proud of how the boxes looked actually, because everything we made sure everything was completely biodegradable, compostable. Um, there's no plastic involved in any of the packaging. Yeah, I was, I was really interested in that because it's something that if you, going back to, to, I can only draw on my experience, but even buying veg plug plants or anything like that, almost all companies, if I, I can't think of one that doesn't really, sends it out in either formed plastic packaging. I mean, I bought three aubergine plug plants from a well-known magazine-based veg plant company. I won't say any more than that. And they came literally vacuum-packed into a hard plastic case and they were still smashed to pieces anyway. And so there's very little out there that's managing to package things in a properly eco and recyclable way. So could we dive down into that a little bit? What, what are you using there that one keeps them alive, but also protects them from our friendly neighborhood postman? So we, yeah, I, I imagine a lot of people don't do it because as we found out, it's a very long and arduous process to wrap each one. Um, but it's like, it's part of it for us. A lot of the care goes into the wrapping mm. element. Um, so we would take the plant plug, wrap it in um, a moss that we had dipped in water, so that retained the moisture, um, and then had this material called wood wool, which is a sort of like, yeah, uh, as you can probably imagine, sort of like wispy, hairy bits of wood shavings. 
and then wrapped it in yeah brown paper material, string, and had a cardboard uh, a lollipop stick with the with the name on it, and then sort of just like packed out a big cardboard box with all of the wood wool, and um, yeah, and sort of just like packed it out in a way that it doesn't get damaged. We would try and fill the boxes as much as we could, so there was no space for shifting around. Um, yeah, and then there's always just the kind of difficulty of it being out of your control as soon as you send it in the post. You hope that it comes the next day, but it could be like two, two or three days. And yeah, I just hope that you've grown them strong enough that they don't wilt too much in the post and come out strong and can go straight into the soil. Um, but yeah, I think that they ended up uh, being seven, that's like healthy little packages. Yeah, so much yeah. care that's gone into that. I love that. And I think people that, that might want to take that up in their food growing people that are listening would like that too, because a lot of care goes into growing it. So really so much, as much should go into to sending it out. And then hopefully that's appreciated by the person at the other end. I think some people who listen are business minded. So does that work? Has that worked financially as well? That level of, not level of care, but the amount of packaging that must go into doing that. I wouldn't call it a sustainable business model. <laughs> okay. With the amount of labour that we had this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to have to be some rethinking around the, the model for the plant nursery next year in terms of how many packs we're posting. And hopefully by then next year, we'll have more local people that are aware of us. I think part of the problem was we sort of came on the scene, no one knew we were there. So we were grateful for any sales that we could make whether wherever they were but next year i think we're going to concentrate the online sales um to just a few months of the year and then you know work on the marketing side of things so that we get more local in-person sales throughout the throughout the summer yeah because another problem we had this year was the fact that we couldn't get into any local markets because obviously as soon as they were open they were just jam-packed with you know, people that were already around on the scene. So we obviously tried to get into various different local markets, but we just couldn't get into one single one. So um, that presented a bit of a problem because we'd sort of, you know, factored in that we were going to be able to go and do that sort of in-person um, sale um, strategy. Yeah, and just obviously didn't work out because of the pandemic and the way things were restricted. So, yeah. Lessons have been learned. <laughs> that, that will go nuts though once you once you get that market because it'll be the aromas as well. It's not just uh, like what you've got there to sell, but I took herbs to the last market and it's more the smell. You've got people stopping at your your stall straight away. Um, and what I just want to tap into what you how much care you took into that package is you've probably got like a real core of. People that bought that package, they know you cared and they'll come back because you, I know it probably wasn't sustainable, but you put so much care into that, that that's stuck in the, hopefully they're stuck in their brain and they're going to come back or recommend you in future. Definitely. That was, yeah, a lot of the feedback was, they were just so delighted with opening the package and the way it looks on arrival and all the natural materials. So, I mean, that really is, that's been the intention from the start that we're infusing these plants with our love, our intention, our focus with, with the intention for healing. So, you know, that, you know, at the end of the day, everything is energy. So you have to be careful with your thoughts and your words around your products, whether it, it's um, 
it's a vegetable or a herb or anything in between really because that kind of energy goes into what you're making and our intention is for that to then spread around the country and infuse the people that buy its lives with health and healing and and love too yeah i think that's um before we go like go into other questions that's something i've wanted to talk about because um do you do anything um like non how do i word it like, like for example like I like play music to the plants when they're young. Um, I definitely talk to them, <laughs> and um, just like, do you do anything like biodynamic? Find do you follow the moon cycles? Because I know with herbs, it must have a real connection with that as well. Yeah, I mean, we don't, uh, we're not formally bi biodynamic, but we are very much in tune with the cycle of the moon, and uh, where where available, we've been sowing the seeds and harvesting according to that um, rhythm. But uh, we're really lucky to have an amazing sound healer that lives on site with me in Somerset um, called Shamir. And he has been coming since April. So he's been working with chalice, crystal chalice balls that resonate at different uh, hertz according to different chakras. Particularly, he's been working with the crown chakra and the heart chakra. Um, so he's been playing our little seedlings really high vibrational frequencies since they were babies and now out into the field as well. He's been working with mantra, song um, and all sorts of different instruments have come to the field. We've had gong baths, we've had didgeridoos, we've had drums, we've had guitars and we've had singing. So yeah, that's definitely been part of the intention as well as to work with sound alchemy um, with the plants in, in order to infuse them with that kind of energy. And I'm also an energy healer and I work with Reiki, so I've been putting Reiki into the plants as well. Um, and we whisper sweet nothings to them. Yeah, do you do something? To, do you do anything to the water as well? Well, Have you ever... when he when we're watering, often Shamir comes and does his sound healing as well. Oh, nice. it's, but yeah, that's that's a good point actually because we're surrounded by water. We've got reens on every side of the field. Mm. Um, it'd be quite interesting to kind of work with that water as well somehow and to put some intention into that. But yeah, there's um really awesome documentary uh, like Seek Life of Water, which you, I don't know if you've seen. But it's just like on all my water bottles, it will say um, like love and gratitude. So as I'm saying it to the water, um, it changes the crystallized energy of the water. Uh, it's something I got massively into. But it, even if people like might say, oh, it's a bit hippie, whatever. I just want to do anything that might potentially help the plants, even if it works or it doesn't work. It, it just feels good. That intention is right. Um, even when I'm harvesting them, um, sometimes, especially when you're like hacking stuff out, I've always been like quite like uh, you live on as energy anyway. Um, this really this exposes me as what I re really do. Uh, but yeah, I really I really like harvest it, and I'm just like your energy lives on it. Will go into someone else. It will heal them. It will you giving good food to people. So yeah, I think that intention is is so important. And sometimes in your day to day, like I, I know I could get caught up and forget it, but. When I go to the core of what I'm doing, I'm like, no, it's, it's what it's what I want to be doing. It's what I want to kind of spread. It's beautiful. And, you know, Jack, if anyone mm. says, oh, that's so hippie or whatever, in a sort of negative way, I just say, well, come back to me when you've researched quantum physics and then we can have a an actual conversation. And yep. science is mm. quite yes. different to the science we were taught in schools. And, you know, it's outdated. And basically anyone that thinks we're being woo-woo or silly yeah. hasn't done their research. Really? So so true. It's all science backed now, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I studied a sound engineering course was my background before all of this. And I would challenge anyone who's listening now to th- that, that suggests that, that sound doesn't affect growing plants to just look at videos of how frequencies of sound affects running water, because you can move water with frequencies of sound. It's something taught in, in sound science. So anyone who thinks that any of this is hippie or, or just out there, go and have a look at that because it will change your mind completely. Um, and, and it's the same with the moon and, and the biodynamic calendar there, because that changed our tides, literally the reason that you can, go to the beach in the winter and enjoy those waves and, and the way the water works is because of the moon. So people denying that are denying yeah, like, themselves. And our bodies, you know, as women, as three women, like our bodies are governed by the moon, you mm. know? So, yeah. Yeah. It can't be it's denied. Not, <laughs> my girlfriend throws that at me all the time. It's full moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true. True story. And, and yeah. that's what I mean about reclaiming here. It's, you know, it's, kind of like apologizing for being a bit hippie that's part of the the conditioning in our society that has told us to be to hide things away because it doesn't fit in with the status quo and that's it's being out and proud and you know sorry it's science back mate you know yeah (laughs) these are the conversations i absolutely love and i hope like a lot of people listening I, i feel like this uh, these sort of conversations uh, have been had yeah. more and more and more and it, and it's nice probably whoever's listening to hear it in podcast form maybe and uh, and just really resonate with what we're saying because that for me at the, that difference is different than the mainstream and, it, and it, I just want to soak in as much information as possible about like the the, the healing properties of the water the sound and, and what what you're doing and I think that's amazing to be doing gong baths at, at the farm that's yeah. yeah, you should check out um, what Shamir, Shamir's Instagram, what he does. He does so many cool things with with sound, doesn't he? And he, when we had our open day, actually, he did um, like a sound journey experience for the people that came and he had all of his instruments there. And yeah, it, it was amazing. It was such a beautiful experience for us to have that with all of, you know, the community that came. And yeah, it really, it was like, it was really moving, to be honest, the whole thing, because all the people that sort of came together from all these different areas of our lives just seemed so receptive to all of these things. And, you know, probably we were a little bit surprised um, that some of them were so receptive. And I know that Tiffany and I were feeling a bit like, oh God, our dads and, <laughs> and stepmoms, what are they going to think? We're crazy. <laughs> but but they were all so sweet. And, you know, like whether they were fully into that side of it or not, it was like just really great that we got to sort of expose all these different people to to all the things that we're doing. And yeah, like Tiffany said, be out and proud about it because yeah, it's time. That's it. It's time for us to like step into that power now and say, yeah, this is what we're doing. So I hope you can, you know, be open to it. My dad actually had a profound healing experience with a gong bath and he, you know, he's not particularly, he's not esoteric at all or, you know, he's open to things, but he, he wouldn't describe himself as spiritual or whatever. And um, yeah, took him to a gong bath and he healed a 15 year old knee injury, like instantly and quite miraculously. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Oh. He's a poster child for gong baths. (laughs) (laughs) 
Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that we can have this conversation with him because I think there's a lot of people probably listening that sometimes these podcasts can get focused onto the business side or to the nitty gritty of growing. And I'm sure so many people have been wanting to, to hear this conversation or, or even talk to other growers on their field or volunteers or anyone about those things. But like, like we've just said, has, has been hiding it. So I'm, I'm so glad that we, we have been, in, have been able to have this conversation on the podcast. I do need to bring it back to the nitty gritty. Um, and I just, I did look both of Jack and I are delving more into herbs this year. Um, so I want to get your shout outs, each of you for your favorite herbs and, and why really, I know it's such a simple question after such a deep conversation that we've just had, but um, I'm dying to know the answer. Um, you know what, this year, calendula has been the one for me. Yeah, it just keeps on giving such a ray of sunshine. I love calendula and, you know, wealth properties does amazing, amazing things. Is it all calendulas or is it more the orange yeah. ones that have? Yeah, yeah. It's calendula officinalis, not the sort of African marigold. Or yeah, yeah. Sammy? So, yeah, I think chamomile is one of my favourites, but this year I've been loving the milky oats. Yeah, I've just started using that. Um, yeah, this this year really for the first time, and it's it's really good for nourishing the nervous system. So yeah, in these times of franticness with the pandemic and also starting a new business, definitely anything that helps support the nervous system and yeah, just like nourish and reset is uh, yeah what I'm feeling at the moment. Awesome. I'm going to go non-local because I'm really excited that we're growing ashwagandha in our tunnel this year. Um, which is a traditional Ayurvedic herb, um, but it grows like a tomato. So wow. you sort of treat it like a tomato, but it's the root that you harvest. And again, it's another amazing one for the nervous system. It's a really powerful adaptogen and um, really powerful antiviral as well. Um, so, yeah, it's been really exciting for me to sort of have the chance to sow seeds of plants that I've never grown before this year. Ashwagandha is one of them and just the delight of sowing a seed and watching it grow and never quite believing it's going to work even after all these years I still have that like feeling of magic every time it actually <laughs> works um, and we've been growing lots of Tulsi in the tunnel this year as well so that's another adaptogen um, powerhouse. Makes you feel like a kid again, doesn't it? Just watching stuff yeah. grow. It's, yeah. It, and it teaches you patience. That's one thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going into autumn and winter, like um, what herbs should people be growing and what, what have you started to grow going into the winter months? Time to take cuttings. So if you've got any perennial bushes around, you can take cuttings of those. Um, uh, you know, the sages, lavenders, all the hardwood cuttings and roses if you've got any of those around it's a good time to do that um and then things like mugwort can sow in autumn um angelica off the top of my head yeah but definitely definitely get the cuttings in yeah it's really funny i've just started to do that just to propagate some in the greenhouse for uh yeah going into next year and, and then realizing that you could just like for example like min like cutting the root, someone said on one of my comments yesterday, because I was cutting the, the tops and putting them in water and letting them root. But they were like, just get the, the root and just go. 
and plant it. And yeah, I just love that you can multiply it so much with herbs. You just propagate and you've got loads. You buy one plant, but you can get multiple plants from the one. So yeah, it's just another reason to grow them really, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about herbs, another great thing about herbs in terms of growing is the fact that they actually don't want to be treated very well. Like the, the worse you treat them, it seems, the more potent they are, you know, the more they produce those secondary metabolites, which is what you're using when you're taking them medicinally. So it's actually pretty cool as a first-time project. That's a good bit of information, I love that. Yeah, definitely. Well, it sort of leads into to our next question, really, because there'll be people listening here that either aren't growing at all, looking into getting into growing, or maybe like me, uh, are growing annuals because that's kind of what people want, moving into perennials and looking to move into more herbs. So sort of what top tips other than treating mean <laughs> could you give to people looking to start moving into growing herbs? Where should they really start? I guess it depends on what sort of space you have available. Um, but What's been interesting for me is growing, we grow all of our plants from seed, apart from um, a few shrubs that we bought from a plant nursery. Um, and it's been quite incredible how easily they've grown from seed. So many of them you think, oh my God, this is the tiniest, most feathery little seed, it's never going to work. And actually everything has germinated and everything has done really well, um, which we're really proud of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think propagation from cuttings is the easiest and sort of quickest way of getting something going and you're going to get a bit of a bigger plant quicker than if you start it from seed um, but things that grow really easily uh, were hyssop that was really easy to start from seed catnip grew really nicely um, the chamomiles and the calendulas chamomile, yeah, we just... the good thing about those is you're taking the flowers they're just coming again and again and again you like can't keep up with how many flowers they're producing so that's very satisfying and calendula as well same yeah. same thing yeah and we've we've made these annual beds with the no dig area we've got for mainly calendula and chamomile but it's almost like we're growing a perennial because we know if we just leave it it's a seed that's always going to yeah. be a really good calendula or yeah. chamomile bed that's awesome. Um, some really top tips there. And I can't, the thing I can't let you go without doing, though, is our famous quickfire questions. Um, there are three of you. So if you think you've got an answer to one of these, then do shout out. And then we can all answer the, uh, the question at the end. The, the Just for future reference, maybe you should get some buzzers when you have multiple guests. <laughs> I'll send out some buzzers. <laughs> Absolutely. So buzzing if, yeah, if you know the answer. So the first one is your, your favourite tool that you use on the farm. Matic. Matic, that's because of the clay, right? Just, just, yeah, just for everything. <laughs> yeah, the clay. My, I would say mine's got to be my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, come yeah. up more times uh, than you it. think. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> Beth, have you got an answer for that? As well? oh, you know, my favourite this year is like, I don't know if anyone's ever picked quite a lot of chamomile, but you sort of, what you end up doing is using your hand as a sort of like giant fork. So maybe my hand would be my favourite. Like... <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't do without them. That's <laughs> very true. We couldn't do without them, yeah. Good old hand. So uh, crop that you grow that you know you shouldn't or you can't. Yeah, I guess got loads of sorrel left 
Salad bonnet. Salad bonnet, which I thought everyone would love. It's so delicious. <laughs> no one bought the sorrel salad bonnet. So if anyone wants any, we've got a lot. <laughs> I'm surprised at that. It is so tasty. It's one of those things that everyone that visits the farm, I'm like, try that. <laughs> right. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah. People, everyone seems to love the Bellerian. I guess people, the thing is, it's sort of what people recognize or they've heard of before we found were more likely to be the ones they just sort of pick off the shelf and buy. Yeah. Um, when we included it within a pack, yeah, there's been a lot of sorrel and salabinet being put into different packs. <laughs> Uh, see you've got to like especially with a csa model you can just go we've got quite a lot of that you get yeah. but but that's how people get like acclimatized to it and then hopefully they'll it'll be the new favorite as well so question number three is your favorite farm or growing hack like a top tip my pecs <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah that is. <laughs> your your at least favorite crop to grow I love all of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're not an earshot now. You can talk about them. <laughs> they all know. <laughs> Especially the apothecary. They're listening, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. true. Very true. So it comes to the question that everyone wants to know the answer to. And uh, I think we need all of your answers on this. Um, but do you prefer at the end of a day a nice cold beer or cider or a glass of wine or at the beginning of the day, a nice cup of tea or a coffee on the farm. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. <laughs> I should have known that asking herbalists the answer to this really, shouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's three votes for tea or coffee, is it? Yeah, I'm a caffeine addict, I'm gonna, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> See, when we put this together, I was sure like team beer or team wine was going to be top, but it's tea or coffee for yes. all of us. It's, we all need the energy. Yeah. It's, like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long day, isn't it? So you just like, oh, I need to kick it. Yeah. Is, it fl is it just is it English tea or is it like a herbal tea? Both and all. Uh, yeah, yeah true. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, from Austria and he was like god English people like that it's true about the tea thing <laughs> <laughs> he was like I'll just have some water it's fine you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a hot drink every minute <laughs> I think in the farmhouse as well where Tiff lives there's about 15 different caddies with various types of tea in them it's like yeah. we really go for it <laughs> all day yeah. It's one stereotype we don't mind living up to, it's fair. <laughs> Thank you all so much for taking time out and, and talking to us on the podcast this week. If people want to find out more or want to join the CSA or any of those things, where can they go to do that? You can head to our website, which is www.earthlight.uk. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you search for Earthlight Herbs, you'll find us. Amazing. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you all. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.